Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Sasha and I'm a human and welcome to Too Human for Words. Welcome, as per usual, make yourself comfy, grab a tea, grab a snack, whatever you need. But if you haven't been here before, this is the podcast where we talk to medical and health professionals and people with lived experience about our crossover experiences, the things that make us similar, maybe the things that are uncomfortable that we don't talk about a lot. But the things that we actually have in common that can bring us together and help us to utilize our resources better, build better communities and fight for quality of life and inclusion for everybody. So a little while ago, I thought of maybe doing like a weird symptom Wednesday. You know, the things that the medical world don't acknowledge that come under whatever our label might be, you know, like the little niggly, niggly things. Like uh, I get this sort of, and maybe it's like nerve pain, I don't know, but it's like a bruised feeling on the top of my head as if I've had my hair in a super tight ponytail or bun all day, except uh, I don't because, because it hurts. Or this is a really weird one. Maybe you can help me out with this. Sometimes, and sometimes it's quite often or it goes away for a while, but when I really need to wee, at nighttime, I'll wake up and like my feet will hurt so much and I'm distracted by the pain until I'm like, oh, I just need to get up and like go to the toilet. Like it's so bizarre. It's so weird. So I don't know, like tell me what are your weird symptoms? Like another one of mine is that when my right thumbnail grows just a little bit too long, it really hurts the joint in my thumb until I, until I cut it back or file it back. Like so bizarre. Bodies are so weird. So yeah, what happens with your body? Like what are these things where they're just like, "Mm, I don't know. Like for me, even with like my hair one, the doctor was like, I think you're just like overreacting or like making that up. Um, And it turns out when you talk to people like in the fibromyalgia community, they're like, no, no, that's real. That's real. Um, So yeah, tell me like what, you know, what are the weird stuff your body does that you're like, I don't know where it comes from. It's probably connected to something. So today, our guest that we're talking to is Fur Whale. Fur actually was one of the people that was right at the beginning of this whole journey. In 2017, I did her public speaking course called She Talks, My Big Idea. And it was a course where people who had an idea to share but weren't public speakers worked for 10 weeks to produce a talk about something really important to them that they wanted to share. And so that's where this whole sort of concept came from. Back during those uh, workshops, I got to know her really well and I had no idea that she experienced quite a lot of chronic pain and chronic illness as well. And I had no idea for a while until she told me we sort of, you know, like don't see the things that are going on with people under the surface that are invisible. And that's what so much of this is about is recognizing that, you know, everybody has something. You know, at the time I was thinking how like how cool would it be if – 
You know, in those, I think they're like superannuation commercials and there's like two people standing next to each other and they've got like a, I want to say like speech bubble, but that's not it. It's just like a list next to them of all the things that they have in common until it shows that their superannuation is different, something like that. And I just thought, you know, like, wouldn't it be amazing to allow us all to relax and see how similar we were if we could just, you know, walk around with these like boxes over our heads with dot points about our life and when you walked past someone that had some similarities with you they would just like light up in a color and you'd be like oh cool me too me too so (laughs) so today we're gonna get some insight from Fur as she is an amazing woman she's a coach she's a public speaker herself she's a writer she is a mentor she is many many things and she's also a person with a mind and a body with things going on. So at the point that we start talking in the interview, when you hear us say the talks, uh, it is referring to the She Talks My Big Idea in 2017. So enjoy the interview and I will see you on the other side. So firstly, would you say that you are mainly a public speaker and public speaking mentor? Is that what you would say? Yes, I'm a public speaker. I have a beautiful platform which is all about self-empowerment through public speaking and communication. It is so much more than that. It you is. know, it's really about people creating their own identity and just connecting with their personal genius their potential. And that's what I love to see more than anything. It it thrills me to no end to watch people just step into that arena of their potential, the possibilities. Let's talk about how we met because I want to, because you're such a big part of the story of how this podcast and everything has come to be with this message that I'm sharing. So... Do you remember how we met? Yes, I do. (laughs) Uh, On set. No. 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 (laughs) Wasn't that the first time? (laughs) We've never been on set together I thought we were doing extra work I know I wish but and no. I got a lift no we we did get a lift together but it was at an acting networking event in oh Dublin. got it right I recall now yeah yes, and we did get a lift because I was I was directing a play and one of the castmates that I was directing was your friend and he gave he gave us a lift to the station great <laughs> and I remember we had the coolest conversation I'm like oh I was like that person's really cool and and then we stayed friends on Facebook for a few years and I would watch your story and what you were going through and you were so vulnerable and so open and I was like oh, I feel like I just need to be a part of whatever she's doing because I feel like I need to be around that sort of vulnerability and openness I get that and mm-hmm. that's what I am I'm I want to be walking permission mm-hmm. for others mm-hmm. because I didn't have I didn't feel I had the right to be vulnerable or to show those parts of myself and yeah there's a certain amount that we do need to kind of keep behind our closed doors you know it's too much for the world I get that but What Facebook was, was a very beautiful platform, I realised, for me to discover and learn what it was like to be authentically me and and to see how it was accepted or not accepted in the world. And I was actually surprised at how it was accepted, that whatever I was putting out there authentically sharing 
people were either, I get that, Mm -hmm. I've been through that, or I don't know what you've experienced, but hey, thank you for sharing. And it was such a relief, I think, to hear that and to see that vulnerability from someone else. I know at that time, my life was starting to fall apart in its own way. And so to see someone else sharing, I was like, oh, it's like, not that it's okay, but you know, you're not alone and that it does sort of give you a sense of relief when mm. you know that someone else is experiencing things and, and, and the difficulties in life were not so alone in. Yeah. And so then what happened was I think you started posting about your workshops, yeah. your public speaking workshops. 2016, we just had a book launch. There was a group of us, we just launched our book. We were published by a publishing house. We were asked to run workshops post-book launch through Demix and this was called Empowering You in Business in Life. That was when I was developing She Talks. I moved then into public speaking workshops and really She Talks has only been going for a year and a half but it feels like it's been with me forever. Because it's been your message forever, I think. That's right. So then I went along to, I'm pretty sure I went to two, a business one and a public speaking one with you. Yeah. And I think it was when I was still very, very vulnerable and I just cried like the whole time. You had short hair, Mm -hmm. you kind of put big baggy clothes. Yeah, big baggy clothes. (laughs) I remember your scalp would do this weird sensation and your hands, you were really hypersensitive in your body. I think at that point I was like, oh, I need to like share this stuff. But I definitely like wasn't ready. I think I was just learning how to talk about it. Right. But I was like, I thought I was like, no, no, now's the time. I've got to do it. But I admired how you you were doing two aspects of you were pushing yourself to make sure that you were taking opportunity. But at the same time, you knew you knew you were monitoring yourself when to pull back and when to self-soothe because I remember there were times in those workshops where you would say, I need to just go sit in a quiet place for a moment or I'm going to remove myself for a moment and come back or I need to eat or have a hot drink. Yeah, and what I didn't know at the time is how much on the same wavelength we were. Right. And I think that was something that surprised me because, you know, now that I'm doing this stuff, I'm like, of course, everyone has a story that they can connect on. But back then, I still felt very alone in what I was going through and consigned to my consigned, is that the right word? To my diagnosis, like in that box, Mm. you know, with my diagnosis and my experience. And then so we started, you know, you call it the Speakers Lab. Yeah. Yeah, so we started at the Speakers Lab and that's when I learned more about you and I was like, oh, she gets it. And I don't have to talk about what I'm talking about from a place of being a victim. And that was really, like, exciting to me. Like, you gave me that validation that this can come from a place of strength and creating change rather than, oh, it's awful and, you know, the world is hard. It's like, no, this is actually a... That's right, because when we start to talk about what we want to talk about in regards to pain in the body or discomfort, people tend to kind of glaze over and go, oh, my God, you're going to complain on me, all Mm -hmm. over me. And it's like, no, I just need to say, I can't do this right now. Someone says, why? You say, I I have all this pain. What do you mean you have all this pain? If you have the freedom to explain it, and it is what it is, and with you being a spoonie and being able to say, I need to conserve some energy now, Mm -hmm. and the other person can simply take that as information that they can say, ah, okay, I get it. You need some space. You need some time. 
or time out. I was running workshops, but I was more than happy to give you those time outs, do a practice with the group that was more immersion rather than you missing what was next. Mm -hmm. I was really fine with that. Because we're in a world where it's like you're in that box so therefore you can't be involved in these activities. Mm -hmm. It's like a closed door when you have a certain condition or you lack energy or you Mm, you need time out. It's like, oh, okay, well then you can't participate because then you're not 100% involved, engaged. No. It's not acknowledging you, your, what strengths you actually have that are different, which I think was really mm. exciting because you definitely opened that up with, you know, what are your strengths and what, what what's your phrase? Um, I'm the expert of what I know. To be true. To be true. Yeah. Yeah. And I am the expert of what I know to be true. Exactly. Yeah. So I started the, um, the, to- the, I keep saying the talks, the workshops with you. <laughs> speakers the 12, Lab. Yeah. The Speakers Lab. Mm-hmm. And that was when I had come out of supporting my mum through mm. breast cancer and she did the Speakers Lab as well and talked about her experience with breast cancer. And then I came along and was sort of developing this idea that came from at first feeling like a monster resenting my mother <laughs> through cancer <laughs> and realising that having chronic illnesses myself and watching her go through cancer was like a big realisation of being able to compare our experiences yes. and actually see the gaps in the system and where she was supported and where I wasn't but then how we were both the same. Hmm. Which you need to tell your listeners why you felt like a monster. And I remember teasing that out of you Mm -hmm. in your talk saying you you need to give your real feelings about that so people really get the insight and what the motivation and the driver and those pivotal moments. And you do, you were kind of hating on your mum a little. Yeah, I was going through a lot of resentment and anger because I saw that our experience, our sort of symptoms and side effects and struggles were largely the same, although our diagnosis was completely different. And my quality of life at times had been down to zero, nothing, a lot of struggle and complete lack of validation from the system and from my community. And then I saw my mum get diagnosed and and I saw those comparisons And then the complete validation from the system and the community. And I didn't want to lower the importance of her experience, but I wanted to go, oh, hang on a second. How do we actually see it all as important? And, you know, there's this idea that, oh, you only have one life. You've got to go out and live it. (laughs) This lack of validation is like giving you this idea that your life isn't as important as other people, but you have only one life. And how do you reconcile yeah right that idea yeah it's a bit of a gray area so I saw it as information rather than I saw that resentment as like a way to learning that and seeing it as as a research that's right the minute you questioned it because it wasn't really that you were hating on your mum but it would have felt like that initially cancer's glorified Mm. It's glorified and there's a lot of help. And I remember you saying people were bringing meals and offering help and like, what can I do for you? What do you need? But when you're that person, like I am, Mm. where you look robust and healthy and you've got rosy cheeks and you don't look like you've got dark circles and you're not looking greyish, 
people assume, what do you mean you don't feel well? You're fine. Suck it up. Get on with it. Soldier on. Exactly. Which brings me to, (laughs) you are like the perfect, but you look fine example. I I am. And so I was so shocked when I learned that you have all of your own things that you deal with, which was very inspiring Mm. and also made me go, oh, this is actually everywhere. Everyone has their things. That we can't see. Yeah. So I would love it if you're okay with sharing. I will. I'll do something right now. And in fact, I don't just look okay. I look fit, fighting fit. You look fantastic. And I look ridiculously healthy and I look ridiculously good for my age. So... That's a bonus and not, but okay, so if I'm just going to run through, I've got a visual disturbance right now. I've got a a prefrontal, like a pre-migraine that happens. And then I've got knee joint pain that's incredible. I'm rolling my hips forward at the moment because if I roll them back, I'm getting nerve pain through my back. So I'm missing three discs there. My neck is constantly stiff and sore. My right shoulder is aching. I've got sharp pain going up my feet right now. Like there's pain everywhere. There's some constant and there's there's some that changes that takes me a little off guard. And sometimes I can even go, oh, shit. And then people will be like, what's going on? It's okay, it's just pain because it's gone. At first I was, it really sort of, worried me because I thought what is what is the outcome for me is it going to get in the way of me being living the life that I'm designing for myself that was a concern and then I I kind of got caught up in that victim-y kind of poor me and then I thought pull yourself up put your big girl pants on pull them up and how are you going to get on with your life when you don't want to do medication and you don't want to go down the orthodox way anyway long story short What I do is exactly what I do in my workshops when I talk to the women about getting up and public speaking. When those internal thoughts come in, our survival mechanism that responds and scans to the environment and telling us that air conditioner is so loud, am I going to be able to concentrate? Well, my body's doing that. That pain is so loud, am I going to be able to concentrate? So I've become really good at what I do in my workshops, which is I tell the women which thoughts to place significance on and engage with and then just swipe them to the side like tinder swipe left or like in meditation like clouds just let them pass so there's certain pain and I'm I'm assessing does it need my attention do I need to stretch do I need to bend is it going to go away but I don't let it get in my way and I'm not sending it away I'm just putting it to the side so it exists with me. So when you do public speaking, this you get up to speak and you have thoughts running in your head about you're nervous, how do I look? You can have a physical reaction, which is butterflies, sweaty palms, sort of a closed throat. You can still get up and speak despite those feelings in your body. So I'm living example of what I teach and I just have accepted that now. So how did you get to that? Yeah, how did you sort of start on the road? Was there a point where you went from being disempowered in that way or how did I was definitely disempowered when I reached a point where I'd be sitting on a train and just restless and uncomfortable in a packed train and you've got you've got people next to you and you can't really kind of adjust and move and stand up in fact there was nowhere to stand up I'd go to get off the train and I'd be hunched over like an old woman because my hips and my back had locked up and it was like excruciating and then I realized I couldn't walk and I'd have to call an uber gets that bad sometimes. I was so sad and depressed about it for a moment and then I wasn't getting empathy from the doctors and I was getting told, I don't think it's as bad as you think it is, we think it might be hypochondria. I'm like, are you kidding? You've got no idea how I'm just like, I'm okay with this, pain is pain, it gets so bad that I can't walk, come on guys. 
I'm just that kind of person that it, it, you have a choice. I can just sit in that pit of self-loathing and be sad about, oh my God, I've had this genetic condition for such a long time. I can now see where it's played out all my life. And I wish I had known about it before because I could have managed my health better. Instead of doing all of that, being stuck there and going to doctors and getting x-rays, I actually stopped going to the doctors for a while. I stopped going to the specialist. I stopped the medication. And I just started working on self-mastery of my mind, going back to yoga, green juices, just self-care, but especially in training the mind on how to manage this pain. And what about growing up? Did you find that you had support or or was there, did you have to like fight for I didn't have it as a kid as far as I knew. I was robust. Although I can look back and see how it's been progressing because it's a, it's ankylosing spondylitis. It's an autoimmune disease. It's inflammation in the body. And I started out healthy. Then I went to junk food as you do, going to uni. And then I, I tried all sorts of recreational activities, which didn't help. And then I can see where I've caused the inflammation to flare up in my body, loss of my back teeth through that. I can look back on it, but I never knew that I needed help or support. I thought I was just you know, I'm getting older, I'm not managing a hangover or partying. I only discovered that I have this a year and a half ago at the beginning of She Talks, Mm -hmm. which is why it made me so depressed because I thought I'm just starting a business. What does it mean for my future? Because they were telling me, because I do, I have bone degeneration. My bone kind of dissolves in the inflammation, but they literally said, your bones are going to dissolve. It was a really dramatic statement from a doctor. What what was really empowering for me was I suddenly realised, hang on a minute, this is one man's opinion. Let me go to another doctor. I got another doctor that was similar. I walked out, I found another doctor and he was fantastic, empathetic. He said, let's test everything. We discovered I've got inflammation in my eyes. Ah, oh, that explains the blurry eyes and the visual disturbances. They discovered that I've got dry mouth from the inflammation. That's why I'm losing my teeth. So it was addressed, whereas before I was a hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. And now they were actually testing for it and looking at the markers and looking at the actual results, finding that, yeah, what your symptoms are real. He left. I went back to another doctor who I actually, I'm a grown woman. I'm in my 50s and I walked out of his room crying, crying. He said, I'm not giving you, I, I'm not giving you credibility for this. You just need to go and stop making up stories about your health. Mm-hmm. That's what he actually said. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to complain about you because you can't say that to anyone. Even if they were making it up, you have to have empathy for that where that person's at. Why would someone make that up in the first place? Mm-hmm. So it would be a call for help anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is not good with the system. Mm-hmm. But there are some great doctors as well. There are. There definitely mm. there definitely are good doctors and we don't want to ignore that, but at the same time where it can be better mm. with doctors is really important. Oh, just realized we haven't done this. <laughs> should we um should we pause and play our game? Yeah. And then we'll come back to All the right. serious stuff. Okay. So this is something that we're meant to do in the beginning and maybe from now on it will be in the beginning. Maybe it won't be. <laughs> I don't know. It's part of the adventure. So this game is called the D&M game because I love to D&M. I love a deep and meaningful. And these are some mostly just lighthearted questions and we'll pick one or two 
out of our little container. A light-hearted <laughs> question for a DNM. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And then we'll come back to So it's a lucky our, dip, right? It's a lucky dip. And then we'll come back to our, our right. deep DNM. Am I picking or okay. are you picking? Um, you pick and then we'll both answer it. Okay. okay. Awesome. All right. All right. Fantastic. All right. Ooh. Do you want me to read it? Sure. With my blurry eyes? Yeah. Or I can read it if you want. <laughs> Guilty pleasure, food, mm. TV, movie, music, or One whatever. of each or whatever. It could be anything or the, it could be something that's not on there that you consider like a guilty pleasure. Yeah, guilty pleasure, coffee with cream, mm. but it, rings, it gives my body, have, you can imagine, inflammation. Yeah. yeah. So I pay the price. But it's definitely a guilty pleasure. Yeah. I have a podcast that I listen to mm-hmm. and I call it like my guilty pleasure because I'm not necessarily learning anything from it, but it's called Your Favourite Things or it's Your Favourite Things. Thing with Wells and Brandy and it's with uh, Brandy Cyrus who's Miley Cyrus's oh. oldest sister and Wells Adams who was on The Bachelorette and is a radio DJ and is now dating Sarah Hyland from Modern Family and they just talk about their favourite things like food, music, movies, whatever. Yeah, that's my guilty pleasure at the moment. Cool. Do you want Good. to pick one more? One more. One more. This is a bit like this um, one's sticking to me. So. An interval. <laughs> it's like it is. If you had to choose, what would your last meal be? Ooh. I was wondering if that was too morbid. I'm just <laughs> going to take it out. I was like, is that question too morbid? I don't know. Well, we're being human. So I would start with tropical fruit, without a doubt. So healthy. I love my fruit. And then I would want a laksa, vegetarian laksa. With no noodles, no tofu, <laughs> very specific. And then I would finish with a tiramisu yeah. or an affogato oh, yeah. or both. Okay, both Just because it's my both. last meal. Yeah. Last meal. Don't hold back. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I used to love cannelloni and I think I'd like a really good cannelloni, extra cheese on top. And there are these really amazing um, chocolate milkshakes that you can get from this smoothie place near me and it's like a vegan, dairy-free, sugar-free chocolate milkshake and it's really delicious. And that would be mine. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure I've got more, but food overwhelms me because I'm so excited by it. Ah. So it's like I've got too much to think about. Um, so anyway, back with our talk. I, I think one of the things that I really connected with you over was this – being allowed to be human but also being allowed to talk about what you go through. And I just wanted to ask you, how free do you feel to talk about your health and do you think it's easy to talk about in a way that people listen without feeling like it's too much? I guess for me I don't struggle with when I want to talk about it because people are actually surprised. Really? And they want to, want to know, really? Mm-hmm. What else? You know? Um, so that's not an issue for me talking about it. If I need to talk about it, I've got people that I can talk to. Mm-hmm. So that's great. If I look back on my life, had I have been aware of this then and what the pain was, I wouldn't have had people to talk to. Mm-hmm. No, it would have been because it was party days. If I think about back then when I was having a lot of pain and I didn't know I had the condition... I would have just been complaining and ruining the buzz, however you call that. And I know that you've got a lot of trauma in your past Mm. and I know that chronic illness and the shame of it, also there's a link between that and trauma. 
Hmm. and with shame as well because often the trauma is attached with shame. Actually, you've just reminded me some really yucky periods of time of talking to professionals and especially when I had an injury and it was through work and we were claiming for insurance but the insurance company got their doctors in and they said, all this pain that you're describing, you must be making it up because it's not possible for you to feel all that pain from looking at your x-rays. And then I clicked and then I said to them, I'm actually hypersensitive. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm still dealing with trauma from experiences in my past, things that someone should never, you wouldn't even wish on your enemy that were done to me. And I have hypersensitivity. So this pain is heightened and it creates referral pain or my skin just hurts to touch. They had no concept of that and I was made to feel like an idiot. There were things said that should never have been said. Mm. It was inappropriate about being blonde and stupid and making stuff up and grow up from an insurance agent. And now I'm not putting anyone down and not saying that, but I just know that there'll be your listeners out there will have had some similar experiences because when it's unexplainable, you're the idiot. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand that they, they couldn't possibly grasp that because then they've never had that experience so and it's a lot easier to dismiss it than it is to listen to it yeah because I think that's where we're at now and that's what we're talking about here really is so what do we do with it how do we be productive I don't identify as someone with a genetic disease I don't even really use that terminology and I rarely say I've got ankylosing spondylitis apart from the fact that it's a really weird word and it's amazing I can trip over it I know like (laughs) who made that I love that you can even say it (laughs) seriously I know um had to practice it I don't identify with it but I definitely do accept that I have something going on in my body and I don't want to just push it away and pretend it's not there because I want to have responsibility over how it manifests in my body. I've gone back for blood tests and the markers have gone down and they don't know. They're saying maybe we did the blood tests wrong. <laughs> and then that, and then the, the plebologist is like, well, you can't. If the markers were high, they're high. It, it can go the other way around, but there's no way you can make those markers go high. There's ways that they can be masked and not seen and, and appear low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I've gone from high marker to a lower marker through all my practices. And I rarely get those situations where I get off a train and can't get my legs moving. So I want to start asking you my thesis questions. Okay. And these are the questions that I'll be asking everybody. And they can be as long or as short the answers as you want. And we might veer off into a tangent, <laughs> but we'll make it back. Um, so I've got a few questions and... I'd love to hear any stories you've got associated with them. Mm -hmm. So the first one, because I think it is really important when we talk about this stuff to actually acknowledge what's working and what's good. And when I say system, I mean it could be the medical system, it could be the political system and how that affects the health industry. It could be the community or any structure that influences your health adventure. What's good about the system is we have some medical that's free, which I think is great. I know I've even been in the situation where I couldn't even get out of bed to go to work and at least we can get support for free. That's amazing. And especially if you don't have family to support you, at least there is some structure in place that will kind of be some sort of net for people. Thank goodness for that, right? Let's celebrate that. Sure, it could be better, but let's celebrate that. What's good about the system is that there are a lot of services for free, like hydrotherapy and pain management. Um, You can get some osteo from an osteopath or what have you. You've used some of those. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, extensively. Okay, so this could be a bit of a loaded one. If you could change the system in any way, what would you change? It would be a more holistic approach. Empathy would be at the foundation, just listening to the person and some understanding of the psychology of the human mind for doctors would be great where if you come in rather than assuming that you need to get over your problem, just go away, manage your pain or stop being a hypochondriac, if they could just understand that if you're experiencing something, you're experiencing something, nonetheless it's real to you, that would be a great place to start for people. And not assume that because someone looks robust that – because I get that that belief's there, I do – but to accept that someone's not well despite how they appear. Um, And if something's – unknown to them it doesn't mean it's not occurring Mm -hmm. you know so an understanding in that holistic practices more holistic practices would be great I couldn't get an acupuncturist Mm -hmm. I really struggled to find one in the system that I could access for free at the time the next question I have is is there a silver lining and so what I mean is what has the biggest lesson been from this experience what has it given you it allowed me to be more masterful with my mind and to be more of a deliberate creator in this is what I'm experiencing first of all accepting where I'm at and allowing it to be what it is but not allow it to depress me suppress me stop me get in my way and to allow it to be there as part of what my story is right now it's really allowed me to see that I've become masterful at simply not giving it the significance more than what it is acknowledging there's that pain do I need to do anything about it or not no I don't fine And it can be there. So I coexist with it. I'm also in that realm of I believe that I can uncreate it. And that's where I'm heading. So what does quality of life mean to you? Oh, boy. I remember that's what I thought I'd lost. Energy is part of quality of life. Enthusiasm is part of quality of life. Being able to think clearly is part of quality of life. And I felt for a time there when it was chronic, when it was really bad, that I didn't have those. I didn't have clarity of thought or thinking and I felt stupid. I didn't have energy and I didn't have enthusiasm. Apart from the fact that I had to get an Uber from the train, that's one thing, but the fact that I didn't have the energy to even sit at a computer. So for me, that's quality of life. And now I know how to generate those. Mm -hmm. I know how to generate my energy and my enthusiasm on a greater level than I ever did before. So that's another thing that it's brought me. That's a gift. Yeah, it is. What do you wish people knew about your experience? If you could educate in any way, it could be doctors, it could be people in the community. Well, just again, just with doctors, just I know I look incredibly fit. People will say to me, we can tell that you're a healthy person, but it doesn't mean there's no pain there. I've got pain all the time. And if you list that pain, you wouldn't wish that on someone. People, I I don't want them to know because I prefer to not entertain and recreate it. What do you wish people would say or do to support you? What do you need? (laughs) (laughs) What do you need? Because sometimes I am doing it all alone and I don't want to be that person that says, I'm in pain right now. In some, I used to. I, I'm better at it. But I, I would say I'd get on a train and I wouldn't ask for a seat because I look fit. I was considering what they would consider. They'd consider, oh, you look healthy, you look fit. Why are you asking me for a seat? I'm the same. I, I don't really need people to know what I'm experiencing if they would know how to support me. Talking about the details can bring you down, but just having that support around is so much more powerful. Yes, Sasha, because I, I made a choice to tell every member in my family. And I said two things, go check, go get your blood test. And the other one is because... 
I don't want to have the conversation about it. Don't say I've got a disorder or a disease, but I just want you to know there's times where, like sometimes I've got a frown on my face and my niece will say, what's wrong? And I'll say, I'm just moving through some pain at the moment. She'll go, oh, do you need anything from me? And it's so nice when when they say that, but without going, oh, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's, you know, I just, it's just, I want to be practical about it. Yeah. I don't want it to get in the way of me living my life the way I want to live my life. But telling my family was the best thing. I have the ability now to just say, hey, do me a favour, lift that for me, move that for me. And it's not, oh, you got two legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? it's more. It's more proactive and productive Mm. don't you think like with quality of life you sort of want to get back to being proactive and productive and the more you feel like you have to explain yourself the less you can you can do that it's true yeah yeah absolutely yeah we're almost almost done I know right (laughs) I think we are yeah I just want to ask you with all this now, you know how when I've been thinking about this, it all comes back down to being human mm. and about realising how we have so many overlaps that we can relate to each other in so many different ways. I'd just love to know from you also, like, what is it to you to be human? How has this helped or hindered in your humanness? Yeah, absolutely. So because I'm a bit of a soldier on person and keep everything under wraps. It's actually really freeing to show my weakness because it's it was a weakness, to be honest. It really was a weakness for me and it, it doesn't fit in with my – it didn't fit in with my identity or my picture of my genetic strong, genetic makeup, uh, being robust all my life or so I thought. Um, I've lost the question. My, va- my brain just – I'm getting okay. tired, yeah. Oh, being human. And there we go, I'm being human. I'm actually really good with being human now. I wasn't before. That's what I was saying. I was usually usually soldier on and hide things away. Now I accept and, you know, I like it because sometimes someone will say, oh, you know, like they'll criticise why you didn't remember something and I'll say, hey, I'm human. We we all do that, you know, and I won't even attribute it to to having a disorder or whatever. But the fact is we are all human and whatever it is that's going on for us, we're allowed to be. Mm-hmm. We really are. I want more empathy in the world, you know, and just let people be where they are. It's so true. Yeah. Definitely. It's a really important reminder just saying that we all actually have something. There is all – we could all give ourselves a label and sometimes the only label we need to give ourselves is that we're human. Yeah. And that's the only excuse that we need. Yeah. And it's not an excuse. But we're allowed to – I think it's – Permission is the word that I'm looking for. We're permission. allowed to give ourselves permission. the permission that we're human and if something happens and the other person says what happened and we give ourselves the permission to say that we're human, they can then give themselves the permission to say It's just human. because we're so caught up in like, oh, that was stupid, I look stupid, I feel stupid or it's never going to work out or I'm never going to have what it takes. All of those things get in the way but that's really – like I have been up since 6 a.m., and I'm not going to get hard on myself because I just I'm on a podcast which is serious. <laughs> we're, we're sitting I'm here. Not cut that out. We're sitting here with head. Don't cut it out. We're sitting here with headphones and my, like it's all set up. You've got a portable setup and it's a fair income. We're in the studio. I, I I'm seriously would never take that and put it against myself because the fact is, when you look at it practically. I put in a big day and I've given all of my energy to these women in a workshop and now we're sitting down and doing a podcast and 
When I sit and stop, more I stop and the less I'm doing, the more I notice the pain in my body and the more I, you can sometimes buy into it and it'll take me off track or I'm just literally tired. I'm yeah. done. Yeah, and I'm that's done. okay. And, and it's really just fine. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. did run an amazing workshop. It was great today. And yeah. I think that, yeah, giving ourselves credit that, you know, doing a whole day is a lot, mm. you know, and yeah. keeping ourselves running. That's right. And I really appreciate it. And mm-hmm. I think today was wonderful. And it's, I think I've come to a handful of your Sunday workshops and I love them and it reminds me all the time about the power of going somewhere where you get to work on being yourself Mm. and be in a group of women who were doing exactly the same thing. And I'm always like, oh, this sigh of relief that I get to be in this environment. Mm. And so I love it so much. And before we go, is there anything else that you would like to say or share or I don't know, any last thoughts? I just think because – I think it's important just to accept when you are vulnerable because I'm the kind of person that if I was going to fear anything, it would be that I wasn't completely present for the women in the workshop and that I wasn't giving them everything that I had to my fullest ability and that was a concern in the past. But the fact is that I can now be in the workshops and I can be just really authentic and that has more weight than me acting like I've got it all together and I'm a facilitator who doesn't have any struggles physically. It gives them permission for whatever's going on for them. And here's the thing, we're all human, we all have something going on and we're all hiding it under the carpet, you know? Absolutely. To clear my throat. Um, <laughs> but if, um, we're, if we're authentic, then we wouldn't actually bang on about it. If we're all really authentic, we'd be like the same thing. It's like, I've got this, I need to talk about it now and now I don't need to talk about it or I need support, I don't need support. I think it lets us release it rather than hanging on to it, definitely. Yeah. Anything unspoken Mm -hmm. needs to be voiced. Yeah, yeah, voiced Mm -hmm. and I think um, given permission to and then I think then that lets us uh, give it less weight. Actually, that's the thing about doctors. If they could just, and, and that's a really profound practice is when we can sit with people where they're at, accept where they're at, allow them to be who they need to be, And then people will naturally evolve from that. And if a doctor could do that and accept where we're at, provide us with the services based on that rather than what he, whether he thinks you really have it or you don't really have it, just provide those services. I know probably there's not enough money for that, right? To provide everyone with services, but. Well, I think there's ways and means and if there's ways of looking at how other countries do things. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah, definitely looking at mm, Europe um, has a pretty good system in Switzerland. And Sw- is it Switzerland or Sweden? I think it's Sweden. Sweden, it is the cold one. Before yeah. I was, um, well, while I was misdiagnosed, uh, I went through a whole lot of medication just uh, trying to work out what was working and, and at the time, or finally when I got diagnosed and thinking about that time when I was misdiagnosed, I was like, oh, if only they just looked at my symptoms. And what was I experiencing then mm-hmm. that rather than trying to go by this diagnosis that may or may not have been correct, what about just my experience and working on helping that? So I think definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just address us where we're at. Take us where we are at because that's where we're at. 
It doesn't matter. I mean, everything's created in the mind anyway, so. Well, thank you. I just want to voice how nervous I've been and just say thank you so much for being here. I've been so nervous and I'm hoping that you'll come back and talk with me again and then I'm sure we'll have a whole lot of other stuff to talk You're gorgeous. You're crazy. So that was the amazing Fur Whale. You can find her resources at She Talks on Instagram and Facebook. She also does these incredible lives, usually on a Saturday, that are really fun and lots of amazing insight. And she has a program coming out called the Morning and Evening Mindset, which, you know, as it states, is about building a, an amazing, clear, motivated morning and evening mindset which I have done and is absolutely amazing. It's funny, you know, because this interview that you just heard was like, I think it was actually the first interview that I did and listening back to it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it like, I mean, in the scheme of things, it wasn't that long ago, but whoa, I sound so little, I sound so young. And I'm sure as you can hear, there was some words in there that I'm sure you know what I meant to say, what the word was that I was looking for. But I mean, even in the last two years, so much has happened in the world. And I think to all of us personally, it's really quite funny to have something to listen back to and be like, oh, I I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I sound like a different person. So it's quite funny how that works. Thank you so, so much for being here today. So give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Download each episode when you listen to it. Then you can get rid of it, clear the space after. Give us that beautiful five-star rating. You know, as I said, I just hear the other stars don't work. If you want to support us a little bit more to help keep the lights on, you can uh, become a Patreon subscriber. There are plenty of perks coming soon. And I would like to give a massive thank you to Monique Egan for our super rad logo for this super dope theme song, Sean Fox for the music and Alex Clark of Artie Rex for the vocals and Chris Bennett for additional editing, polishing, putting the pieces together and counselling me through putting this into the world as well as just all around smashing it. This podcast was recorded on Boon Wurrung land. I will see you next week and remember we are all human. We're too human.